Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest And a very good morning on this Friday's Cork Today show. Bernie taking your comments across the show. Lines now open, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp at 86 or you can tweet us across the show at C103Cork. Ahead on the programme, the fallout continues regarding Catherine Sapone's private party in Dublin. Fall to Ireland now looking for new guidelines from the government and pressure on the Taunashton to come out and talk. And opposition parties now are looking for a full guest list We'll be discussing that with uh, the political correspondent with the Irish Sun, that is Adam Higgins. And also, yesterday then, it was emerging that while this controversy was unravelling over the last few days, we had something similar happening in Kerry. And it comes when the Kerry TD, Danny Healy-Ray, he hasn't uh, come out as yet, or any of the Healy-Rays haven't commented on this, but it's a photo of him serving points to a crowd inside his pub in Kilgarvan. This was 10 days prior to the resumption of indoor dining and then a video was circulating yesterday also and I'll get to that in a while but it shows a number of people enjoying themselves within his bar. Uh, Now there's no timeline on when that video was but it is believed to be in the last number of uh, either a week or two weeks Uh, so we'll discuss that this morning on the programme. Your views are welcome on both cases and what should happen. Uh, A lot of people are upset at this stage that nobody has come out publicly and spoken about the Catherine Sapone case and it's been very quiet uh, from the government regarding this. I was reading somewhere that a lot of people's careers high, those in high level and ministers in the government, their careers are being protected because of this case and it really is similar to what happened last year regarding Golfgate. Anyhow, your views are welcome 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 86 and we were uh, talking myself and Ken earlier on the breakfast show about going back to school and parents now uh, looking at the cost of returning to school, what is coming out and what did really over the last year become a big uh, problem for schools. It always has been a big, a massive issue for schools. Uh, but this, I think the pandemic shone a light on it. It's the class sizes and how many class sizes in this country you could have over 30 students in a class 23, 25 could be the average for some schools. Uh, now, as Ireland has the biggest class sizes in Europe, what can be done? There's calls for action. We'll speak with the Cork South Central TD and Sinn Féin spokesperson on education, Donna 
Veronica O'Leary on this. And still no admissions to Bantry Hospital and a first responder in the area has said enough is enough and a protest is to go ahead in line with current guidelines to highlight what is happening in Bantry and why this needs to be sorted as soon as possible. We'll speak with that uh, person that is organising that. That is Jerry Harrington uh, from the area who knows firsthand the work that is done within Bantry Hospital but so many uh, not only in the Bantry area but across West Cork and across the county because you have people in other areas now of the country looking at this story to see could this happen at their local hospital in particular when it comes to the geographical location where Bantry is and the time frame it takes to get from areas like Sheep's Head or the Barra Peninsula or other areas of, of West Cork to CUH considering the traffic levels are much higher at the moment with tourism and many people who are commuting to work I mean that has increased over the last 10 years you're dealing with a lot of differences than you would have been dealing maybe 20 or 30 years ago when Bantry had further and more services than it probably has now even though things have changed the way they operate those hospitals in Mallow and Bantry uh, and they have put in services that were never there years ago but then some would say services that were there have been taken away so discussing that this morning on the programme your views are welcome, uh, still no change there uh, as yet anyhow regarding the admissions in Bantry Hospital and, and locals just getting very frustrated that this continues uh, it's over a week now at this stage that this is going on if not in nearly two weeks and we're going to hear uh, why one Cork City hairdresser as I mentioned there about uh, class sizes uh, becoming a problem here in this country and parents getting ready for going back to school one hairdresser in the city is now collecting school items ahead of the new school term and these are for families who may be struggling at the moment and I know people always ask you know you budget for your year how do you not know you always know the children are going back to school in September surely people put money aside I think as people get cut out uh, this year because of wage cuts over the last year people were used to uh, high wages and certain jobs drastically were cut people lost their jobs never thought they would lost their jobs out of work and are now trying to I suppose play catch up with paying bills and now this has uh, come on them all of a sudden as they're trying to get the books and school costs are always an issue but more so it would seem this year uh, and people who may never had had an issue affording books affording items for school are now having that issue so we'll speak with uh, Joseph Byrne from Joseph's Hair Salon on the Glashing Road and why he is doing this and how people can donate those items for those who are finding it tough uh, this year we're also going to be featuring weddings on our series Cork versus Covid our reporter Murray Tuwick has spoken to so many who have deferred their wedding like we spoke earlier this week to Wayne O'Donnell who got married yesterday to Jackie now his wife uh, they got married in Killarney the cathedral yesterday and so many had pushed their weddings back by a week and then it was a year and then it was another month and the organisation and the effort that it takes to change around and the effort first of all it does take to arrange and prepare a wedding and then changing everything three or four times so we're going to hear uh, from couples on how they have managed to work around this and why now with 100 guests allowed at a wedding uh, they have decided to go ahead with their wedding and and the the, the timeline that it took to change all their plans that's on our Cork versus Covid series after midday and also after midday we'll be heading to the movies with our own Mark Malone one of the movies he is reviewing this week is Jungle Cruise and we'll have that and much more to come between 10 and 1 your views are welcome 1850 333 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 
103, 103. Uh, but as the Sabone Gate, as it's being called on Twitter with the hashtag Sabone Gate, uh, the, uh, this is really pushing everything now uh, to come back and open sooner because several government ministers are pushing for the resumption of First Communions and confirmations. Uh, this is due to what has happened with the incident in the Marion Hotel in Dublin, organised by the former minister Catherine Sabone. It now seems that a number of ministers are pushing for and making a strong case for setting a date allowing the services to recommence. Any changes likely to be required for this will need a full cabinet approval. However, a number of Catholic bishops have already approved uh, communications or communions and confirmations through communication to their priests in different dioceses. Now, that hasn't happened here in the Cork area regarding uh, the diocese of Cork, Ross, Klein or Kerry. Uh, so we haven't seen that here, but up the country we have. And we did speak uh, with various priests during the week. One of those was Father Tim from Killa. Uh, he felt it was wrong to go ahead with the sacraments due to the worry of Delta and due to the government advice and the health advice that has not yet changed. He felt that we should respect that advice and, you know, commence when it's safe to do so. Uh, but it could be safe to do so now because of what has happened uh, with uh, Catherine Sabone's party. There's a push to get these uh, sacraments back up and running, if you want to put it that way. So we'll see what comes out of that. Uh, again, no one coming out officially from government on what has happened uh, at that uh, party. But I know members of the Oireachtas Commission on Foreign Affairs have renewed their calls for the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, to appear in September in front of them to answer questions about the role which Miss Sapone stood down from this week when she was going to be appointed uh, to that role. Now she's not going to go for that role herself, uh, but there's so much going on with this story. Uh, whatever will happen, there's bound to be at this stage some type of fallout because I think the government were hoping the story would just brush away, uh, but it has not. It continues. And the story also tying in that that continues this uh, came out yesterday first of all photos uh, from Danny Healy Ray's bar in Kilgarvan it shows him behind the bar serving points to a crowd uh, the points here serving is to a large number of people inside the pub this is 10 days prior to the resumption of indoor dining in Kilgarvan and in the crowd there is his uh, brother uh, fellow TD Michael Healy Ray and at least 38 people uh, can be seen in this photo although it's unclear how many people were on the premises at that time and also then yesterday a video was sent to Radio Curry, they posted that yesterday and this video showed a large group of people dancing inside the pub without face masks while another clip showed a group of men dancing topless on tables and there was no indication of when the video was recorded. No timeline on that but Danny Healy Ray has declined the opportunity to clarify the circumstances of this video saying I'm making no comment. I'll say nothing when he was contacted by a number of newspapers yesterday on that but the video which has been circulating yesterday online it does show a number of people with tops off dancing around men on other men's shoulders and everybody really having a great time. And while people would welcome everybody having a great time, then other pubs are either not opening indoors or others remain just outdoors and other bars then that are open are adhering to the rules. So some feel it's unfair that certain bars are doing this when others are obeying the current, the current, the current even government guidelines. Uh, but what's your view on that? I mean, is it a slap in the face to those who are obeying everything going on? Or I saw some comments then on Twitter last night saying that look people are enjoying themselves isn't it great but then what if 
we saw before that enjoyment leads to an outbreak and you know somebody gets really really sick if there's there's so much opinion on this your views are welcome 1850 or you can text or whatsapp 86 uh, interesting to see if any of those will come out and speak today uh, on both those matters and interesting then the government advice over the last number of weeks on outdoor gatherings when we look at what has happened in Dublin when now it seems 200 people can gather outside and you can uh, book out a beer garden or, or whatever outside facility you wish to book that does look like you can do that now even though Fall to Ireland are still in negotiations with the government on this uh, if we just go back to a few weeks on July 21st and look at the advice from those who offered the advice in government we had the Department of Public Health in the Midwest urging people in Limerick and Clare and North Tipperary they were told to avoid large high risk social gatherings as the vaccination programmes continued and then only last week Professor Philip Nolan came out and he was worried he was showing that in all the, the, the moderating they do and the modelling they do the level of social contact was increasing and we then had Dr Marie Casey tying in with that who said we are asking everybody to be alert to socialise safely and prioritise getting vaccinated when you can uh, because they feel the more that we're outdoors even though you are outdoors people were still uh, contracting the virus so that was the latest people just basically telling people to be careful and to cop on when you're out and about and use your own common sense that was the latest advice from the health department and the health people but it seems that advice has gone out the window when it comes to our own government TDs and many people on text already saying it's one law for them and the rest of us have to obey the guidelines. Your views are welcome. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 All the TDs looking over their shoulders this morning considering the news coming out. We'll get to those shortly. By the way, yesterday we had a massive response to our discussion on electric cars. Uh, thanks for a lot of people who got in touch after the show as well and emailing us and the comments we got people having mixed views on if they would or would not purchase an electric car if you missed that you can check that out uh, the conversation on electric cars on the podcast section on c103.ie and back to a number of calls and comments on to first of all what happened in uh, Danny Healy Ray's Bar in Kilgarvan uh, mixed views on this regarding a number of people parting within uh, the actual bar and the photo uh, wedding photo of people within the bar which was taken 10 days before indoor dining actually commenced. Katie is in North Cork. Katie says, I have a medical condition and I have been cocooning for the past year and a half and she watched that video of Michael Healy Ray's or Danny Healy Ray's bar and she says uh, both of the Healy Ray's have been shouting in the doll to allow pubs to open for the older people to be able to socialise but the people in that video were not older people needing to socialise. Kate and her husband went to Kerry and went into a pub for dinner. She showed the Covid certs and was told there is no need for them. We don't have the equipment to scan those. Now the pub want to extend the opening hours but in her experience they are staying open anyway and she has heard from her own children that there is no table service in the bars as they don't just have the staff says Katie in North Cork and I know we've been getting calls and texts across the week from people saying that they know they've gone to bars whereby they haven't actually asked them for the Covid search and they've never been asked when they're within the bar 
But then people, other people have said, well, they have been asked and they have been able to go into the bar because they haven't been fully vaccinated. So uh, it depends on where you go uh, regarding those bars asking or not asking for the digital COVID search. Thomas in Rathcormark, he says the Healy Rays were right to have that big gathering. We are all fed up with being locked up so long. So they were right, says Tom in Rathcormark. While Michael in Castletown Bear says, John Paul, it's only a waste of airtime discussing the Healy Rays bar as Danny Healy Rays said he would not abide by those guidelines and it doesn't matter what the Healy Rays will do the people of Kerry will fully support them and why wouldn't they as they are doing the work for them no ifs or buts says Michael in Castletown Bear to 0862 103 103 your views welcome to Bernie on 1850 333 103 and we'll continue that discussion shortly on the Hilly Rays, on Catherine Sapone and her party in Dublin. But up next, as we prepare to head back to the classroom, Ireland continues to have the biggest class sizes in Europe. Uh, but after the pandemic highlighting the problems this causes, there's calls now for action. We'll be speaking with Sinn Féin spokesperson on education, Donegal O'Leary. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Ireland has the the biggest class sizes in Europe and Sinn Féin spokesperson on education Donegal Lira has called on the Education Minister to tackle this issue with urgency. The Cork South Central Deputy now joins me. Good morning to you Donica. Good morning Chief. And The pandemic it really shone a light on classroom sizes in this country didn't it? Yeah well look I mean I certainly was frustrated I'm sure many parents and indeed school staff were uh, at the challenges in getting schools back open after the closures. And obviously the closures were, uh, I suppose, to some extent caused by the pandemic and that's outside of some be- or control to an extent. But the fact that reopening was so difficult and so late was because we had an education system that was underfunded, uh, understaffed and severely overcrowded. And we recently got figures that really highlight this. There's over 2,500 classes across the country with over 30 children. Uh, and you know, in some of those instances, like, I mean, that's a, a cost about a thousand, well over a thousand schools. Um, and some of those schools, there were classes in Kerry, in Leash, in Wicklow, in Limerick that had 38. In Cork, there were children, uh, there were 37 children in some classrooms. Like, that's a very unfair situation to put any uh, member of staff in, but also the children. They're not getting the attention that they deserve. It doesn't mean it doesn't ensure uh, a quality standard of education. It is reducing the ability, despite everyone's best efforts. And I think, you know, it's remarkable, really, that we have such a strong education system given the oversized classes. But, like, really, you're talking about 38, 37, 39 children in a classroom. Like, I mean, to, at times, that can hardly be education at all. That's crowd control, you know? Yeah, um, totally. And, and, you know, like, some kids will get enough attention in that context, those maybe who, who have maybe the greatest challenges or maybe the most gifted, but a lot of children in the middle will potentially lose out when there are that many children in the classroom. So, like, I mean, we need to be aiming towards the EU average is we're at about 25 or 26 when you average it out because obviously there's a lot of very small classes too in in small rural schools. Um, But the average in the EU is about 20 uh, and that's where we need to be getting to. And I suppose I was disappointed that more what didn't happen in the context of the pandemic to tackle this because it really did shine a light as the CJP. We have these outrageously sized classes. It made social distancing very hard as well as education very hard. And we really should be taking now to tackle this uh, as far as I'm concerned and to be working towards that EU average for our children, for school staff, for everyone. 
And how can we work towards that EU average? I mean, if Sinn Féin were in government, how would you reduce the numbers uh, within the budget to get the sizes down? Well, I suppose there's a few things. The first thing is there's one or two things we can do this year. And I suppose the first thing is um, we believe that there is a need to reduce the pupil-teacher ratio, and that's by releasing additional staff into the system, and that costs money, and we'll be providing for that in our return of budget. We think it needs to come down by at least one uh, one point this year, and probably two, um, I would say. Uh, but the other thing that I think, well, other two things I think that need to be looked at first is, in the context of COVID, we proposed a specific fund that accommodation and staffing could be that we do an audit of all the schools and identify the schools that are most struggling with overcrowding and social distancing and that you create a fund that releases additional staffing and physical space to those schools uh, and that after an audit is done, those most in need get that additional support. But the other thing is this, we have an opportunity. I saw a headline in the in the Irish Times there about a month ago and it said primary schools face oversupply of 13,000 teachers by end of decade. Now, my reaction to that is, no, that's not an oversupply. That's not a bad news story. That's an opportunity. And I think we'd be foolish to let that opportunity go past. So we have a demographic bulge. We have a lot of primary school children at the minute, uh, and that's going to move on. We can reduce the pupil-teacher ratio at primary schools if we decide that the extra teachers who are coming into the system aren't, you know, going to be redundant or they're not going to be an oversupply they're going to be put into schools and ensure that we get class sizes that make sense, that are fair to people, because there are so many schools across the city and the county that have enormous size classes and they're under very severe pressure. And it's overcrowded and it's not right. And while that all sounds fantastic, I mean, when we mentioned this, the government TDs, they all will look at that and agree with you, but they said the budgets then aren't there. So how is there a way you can work that within the existing budgets if governments will have to pay so much back following this pandemic? Well, you see, the challenge that I foresee coming here isn't necessarily a budgetary issue as it, as it pertains to primary school. It is, I think it's about some of the difficulties that we face at secondary school, okay? So these figures are primarily focused in relation to primary school. Now, what I think some people in the Department of Education would like to do is they're talking about an oversupply of 13,000 teachers. They say, okay, well, we'll send that to secondary, even though the training and the approach uh, and how you get into secondary teaching is, is very, very different. This is what's projected come through the primary school teacher training colleges, your Mary Eyes, your Marinos, your St. Pat's in Drumcondra. So what we would be proposing to do is that it is cost neutral if you keep those for the primary school system, if you keep all those teachers who are coming through the primary school training system in the primary school system, you can get this pupil-teacher ratio down to, to 20 to 1 at no additional cost. Now, what you do need to do as well as that is tackle the retention crisis that's there in secondary. So we shouldn't be trying to shift because I think it will mean that primary school classes will remain enormous. We shouldn't be trying to shift primary school teachers into secondary. We should be trying to ensure that we can keep the primary school teachers that are leaving the system. We are losing physics teachers. We're losing science teachers to industry. We're losing language teachers to other jurisdictions. A lot of that is due to the issues around pay quality and the fact that a lot of newly qualified teachers are on much lower rates. But a lot of it also is to do with the fact that teachers are struggling to get... uh, contracts of indefinite duration, get enough security and get enough hours. So I believe that that can be tackled, especially in those subjects that there are problems in, such as the languages and such as the sciences. Um, And we focus on that as its own problem rather than trying to patch it up with uh, this supply.
play from primary school that really should be focused on, you know, getting rid of classes at 37, getting rid of classes at 36. It's insanity. It's not fair to the teachers and it's not fair to the students. Uh, and I think anywhere else in Europe would think that it's absolutely insane that such a, a developed and, let's be honest, I suppose, wealthy country in a global context has such size classes. True, and it's very hard for any teacher to be fair to everybody when you have that level in a classroom or that many people in a classroom to give everybody the same equal time when there's just so much going on. Uh, before I let you go, two other items I want to ask you about, Donica. First of all, I know last night your party launched the vacant home strategy to bring houses that remain boarded up in many areas of Cork or empty back into the housing stock. A lot of people would say, you know, why are we building all these extra houses or trying to get planning permission for other new housing estates when you might have a main street in a town uh, that has six, seven or eight buildings idle. Is this what you're targeting? Absolutely. Look, I mean, I think we need both, right? So, like, I mean, when, whether we look at our cities or our towns um, across the county, um, what is needed, yes, is new development, and that will be around the edges of, of, of the towns as well, and in the city it will be in the north and south docks and places like that. But realistically, what we need to be doing is, if you look at, at the city or any of the main towns, where is dereliction? It is in the historic spines of these towns. Um, you know, and there are some of the old streets that, that might have been shops or businesses and things like that. What we want to do is we have a series of proposals, some of it's around a vacant sites levy, some of it's about the city and councils being more aggressive in the use of their powers in the Dereliction Act uh, in compulsory purchase orders. And this does two things. It's about ensuring that our towns are thriving, vibrant places that people come into to shop and work in and live and eat um, and that there's life in the town. So many of our towns, in fairness, a lot of, uh, I think, the town councils before and the county council have done a lot to try and promote town development, uh, but there still is significant dereliction. But as well, it's about houses. It's about homes for people. Um, We have so many people. We have thousands of people, uh, over five in the city, and I think a similar number in the county on our housing waiting lists. Um, and, you know, it's very frustrating for them to look at boarded up houses, whether they're public or private, or it's frustrating for families who are struggling to get a mortgage due to look at houses boarded up that could be a fine home for a family. Uh, and we need to, you know, I think it needs to be one of the biggest priorities for councils, county and city, to, is to try and breed life into these parts of the towns and get families living in the centre of towns once again, as they did before. Yeah, like they used to, and that would increase and hopefully increase footfall and also an atmosphere in the town to remain, uh, for people to remain working and living there. And we'll wait and see what happens with that. I know other parties as well have have done this before, so hopefully everybody comes together and it will work out. And talking about coming together, before I let you go, we're discussing this next, is the uh, Catherine Suppone party. I mean, the government now changing its rules for outdoor to 200. It totally contradicts what Fall to Ireland's guidelines were when they negotiated those with the government. Um, we have then the photos and video coming out from Kerry with the Healy Rays. I mean, this is all showing the wrong optics from people who make those guidelines. And yet you say to the public, you need to do this. But yet uh, something else is happening behind the scenes. I mean, I know your, your own party leader, Mary Lou MacDonald, is looking for a full list of those that attended the Catherine Sapone party. Uh, do you agree that the wrong optics are, are going out here regards what has happened, not only on these parties, but everything regarding politicians across the last two years? Yeah, no, listen, I agree 100%. And, like, I mean, there has to be, I suppose, consistency there. And I suppose what frustrates people is the fact that, you know, their children's communion or confirmation might have been cancelled, a wedding might have been put back several times because of limits on numbers. Uh, and that, uh, 
you know, the guidelines are constantly invoked in this context. And here, they're not sticking by the guidelines. They're clearly not sticking by the guidelines, even though the Taunister wrote the guidelines himself. Uh, and, you know, like, I mean, you also have situations, I've been very vocal on this, that partners still can't attend all of the all of the birth uh, and all of the key appointments. And I think that that's insane, given what's going on. Look, we all want to see society opened up, but it has to be moving on to one step. Like, I mean, all this talk of we're all in this together, and that certainly doesn't seem to have been the case here. And that people are frustrated because they've lost out so much. And um, so, look, I want to see society opened up in a way that's safe and care for all the rest of it. But we need to be fair to everyone and we need to be consistent. But the other thing is this like, the job here, like, I mean, nobody has really explained the purpose of it, what the value of it was. And again, TV is trying to talk about making a mountain out of a molehill. It was 12 or 15,000 euros. That's all they were kind of saying. And really, to an awful lot of people, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Um, and what is the purpose of it? And she approached the government and they created a job for her. And for me, that's one of the worst bits of this. Like, I mean, what is that all about? Like, that a former minister can just go to government and say, listen, I have an idea here for a job. What do you think? And they just go and do it. They don't interview anyone else. They don't advertise it. They just appoint them. Like, that's wrong, you know. Yeah, and it shows the cronyism that existed many years ago in the 80s is still alive and well, unfortunately, in the noughties. Uh, for the moment, Dunica, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, that is Cork South Central and uh, spokesperson for Sinn Féin on education, uh, Dunica O'Leary, and that issue on those parties. We'll discuss next. It's Cork today with you until one. John Paul McNamara in for Patricia across this weekend, next week, and our your views are welcome. Bernie takes your comments on 1850-333-103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You can tweet us at C103 Cork. Still to come, no admission, still at Bantry Hospital. Many concerned and frustrated in the West Cork area over this. And now our first responder has said enough is enough. We'll speak to him shortly on a protest that is going to go ahead this Sunday in line with current government guidelines when it comes to organising certain things like this and health advice. But many feel it's time now for action. Otherwise, this will continue. And also later after 12.30, we'll head to the movies with Mark and one of the movies he is reviewing this week is Jungle Cruise. That and more to come between now and one o'clock. But back to calls and comments on various issues we've been discussing this morning and something that was we were discussing yesterday on the show as well uh, from a number of people who were on to us to do uh, with the digital COVID cert helpline. People were ringing this and getting no answer. I know we had a caller D earlier on in the week who spent an hour and a half on the phone. Eventually she did get through to a person and everything was sorted for her uh, within 10 minutes and yesterday another health worker was in touch with us who was on annual leave and she was waiting over two hours on the phone hearing the same music and the same message for two hours and at that stage when she was on to us no one had answered the phone and it seems that nearly 90% of all calls made to that helpline have not been answered over the last two weeks the Department of Health they opened this call centre in the middle of July and this was following the, the resumption of international travel and the launch of the EU certificate and just 24 hours after that helpline was opened it was forced then to open a second line as it emerged that the first phone number was not able to withstand the number of calls they were receiving 
Now, it seems that over 250,000 calls have been made to the call centre since July 19th and just 11.5% could speak and get through to an operator. And then it also seems that the call centre, when it was set up originally, it just had 55 agents manning the phones on this and they have now increased the staff there to 90 uh, with more set to be recruited to deal with the demands that the service is having on their phone lines. I know I was speaking to a person who... Uh, was having to go to Spain recently and they had to ring uh, this a similar line in Spain and the line there that they have their COVID cert helpline or the equivalent of that in Spain it's open 24 hours a day and they were only waiting about 15 to 20 minutes uh, when they got through I heard of another person who was only waiting less than 5 minutes to get through uh, that was the Spanish helpline but the Irish one it seems nearly 90% of all calls are going unanswered but then uh, we were earlier this morning speaking to Tim Lynn who's our regional reporter in Duhallo and he was telling us that he did ring the COVID helpline and he got that recorded message then that recorded message told him that due to the high rate of calls they had a new number so he rang the new number and the new number that we gave out it is 1-800-807-008 and when he rang that number he got through in a few minutes and the reason he was ringing is because of the name on the COVID search and when he rang he explained this to them they sorted the problem for him and the new COVID search was emailed to him the next day so everything was sorted within a day for Tim and the number he rang was 1-800-807-008 and he said he got through in a few minutes he did ring in the afternoon at around 4 o'clock so I'm not too sure if there's various times of the day uh, that are quieter than others but that's the time he rang maybe that's a better time to get through to them I'm not too sure uh, but he rang around 4 o'clock anyhow in the afternoon he was only waiting a short few minutes and he got through so uh, maybe that's an idea for people who are very frustrated frustrated by that service uh, maybe there are certain times you ring uh, and for some reason or another everybody's at their desk and the phone lines are quieter and you get through I have no idea anyhow uh, that's a tip uh, from Tim Lynch who was on to us earlier this morning on that and on to the situation regard- regarding Catherine Sapone and the party in Dublin a number of comments regarding this first of all a person here says what about the hotel that held the event they should have known uh, the guidelines uh, on this uh, and yeah and, and I'm hearing a lot of places and a lot of hotels are receiving bookings for various events some indoor and for the moment anyhow unless the event actually go ahead and that these are various events now being planned right across the country they're giving the go ahead they're not saying no to them uh, so the hotel may have known the guidelines uh, or maybe the hotel had a different interpretation of the guidelines and then there wasn't like it depends who was there we still don't know uh, the exact details of this no one has come out and given us a you know there's no full guest list Adam Higgins there we spoke with from the Irish Sun uh, doesn't think we will get that uh, full guest list for the time being anyhow uh, so we don't really know the full story to be you know to go into detail on this but again did the hotel read what many were reading that you were allowed to have 200 outdoors uh, but then reading paper articles from earlier in the week and a lot of people within the restaurant association felt that the 200 outdoors was for uh, various items various things you'd organise but not for social occasions Uh, so was it the way people were reading into it uh, or did they change it as we, we all think they did change the as the Attorney General came out and changed that to 200 people it seems to be very very confusing 
uh, and people have mixed views on the guidelines that were already in place uh, but the hotel yeah I mean the, the the hotel haven't really come out either on this I think as yet anyhow uh, but we don't know exactly what went on there uh, also Liz wants to know was the Attorney General at the party uh, again we, we don't know we're looking and people are asking for a full guest list we don't know exactly who was there uh, there's only a mention of a, a number of TDs and we do know the Tonish uh, uh, Leah Varadkar did attend the party but we, again we don't have the full guest list Dan and Banahasek says Catherine Zappone was the Minister for Children in 2019 she handed back 60 million in state funding uh, back to the Exchequer the Department of Defence also handed back money to the Exchequer so there is money there uh, but it is not being used properly says Dan in Banahasek and I saw on WhatsApp as well uh, Justin from Michael and he says that uh, John Paul I knew that the 200 figure was there as did everyone else but they were implemented if not why not Uh, which minister has the responsibility for implementing those guidelines if those who were saying they did not know they would want to do a bit of research because they were asleep when it was announced the question is which minister has the responsibility of signing those guidelines into law and it was mentioned on those guidelines but uh, everybody's interpretation was that it was not for social occasions it was for everything else but a social occasion so that's where the clarity needs to come from on that now you can do so because they've changed that by way of the Attorney General uh, thank you for your WhatsApp to 103. Uh, on schools and we'll be discussing that later as one Cork City hairdresser is collecting school items for the new school term ahead for those families who are finding it tough at the moment to purchase items but Ita is in Douglas she says the so-called disadvantage have their children going to desh schools therefore they get free lunches free books free uniforms she worked in those schools and she knows the children had TVs in their bedrooms they went on foreign holidays uh, they had the likes of subscriptions services. They always had the best of clothes, says Isha. Uh, there is no need for people to be collecting school supplies for these people. They don't need charity, uh, feels Isha in Douglas. And then Rose from the charity shop in Dunmanway, Tarish Shop Charity Shop in Dunmanway. She says, if anybody with the MICC, that's the uh, Maria McLasha Community College in Dunmanway, their uniforms, uh, if anybody has uh, jumpers that, that they are finished with, they can drop them into Tarish Shop and they will hopefully go to a good home. So if anybody in Dunmanway has the uniform, the jumpers in particular they're looking for in Tarish Dock, drop them into Tarish Dock in Dunmanway. And Rose and the gang who do great work there uh, will make sure that they go to a good home for those who maybe are finding things tough at the moment. Uh, thank you for that, Rose. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Uh, we're going to hear what's happening at Bantry Hospital very shortly and also speaking to a first responder, that is Jerry Harrington, who's organising a protest on Sunday to deal and highlight the issue of no admission still in Bantry. We'll discuss that next. C103 Jobs. And on our job spot for today, we have opportunities for tyre fisher wanted for Canturk. Training will be provided. Email philpottstirecentre at live.ie. And Cab Motors require a parts advisor to join their busy parts department. You can send your CV to Aidan McGrath. His email is amcgrath at cab.com. And Curlers Hair and Beauty Clinic in Mount Oval Village. They require a full and part-time hairstylist and nail technician. Contact Karen on 021-436-635. You'll find these details and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. Across the week, we have heard about the ongoing situation 
situation with regards to no admissions to Bantry General Hospital. Statements from the South by Southwest Hospital Group suggest it will be September before the situation could be sorted. Many in the West Cork area are annoyed this happened in the first place, leaving an area the size of that region without admissions at a local hospital. Jerry Harrington is a first responder in the area and he has decided to organise a protest to highlight this further. Jerry joins me. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, John Paul. Uh, first of all, your role as a first responder, you would use, I presume, Bantry Hospital a lot. Give us an example of what you come across there and the service it's providing at the moment prior to this happening. I suppose prior to this, you, you could send somebody in there locally, even with the ambulance service there. I had a call there a couple of weeks ago. The ambulance crew did come from Castellon Bear, which would be about an hour, and they uh, transported that person to Bantry Hospital and dealt with very, very quickly. So you can just see the time frame, an hour from Castellon Bear, an hour in the hospital, and basically then head back to Castellon Bear. So that ambulance had a turnaround time of maybe three, four hours. But obviously, you know, that's happening regular, and the amount of phone calls that I've got, I suppose, over the last 24 hours, with people telling stories of being transferred to CUH in a long journey, is absolutely frightening. And they're upsetting. Some of the stories are quite upsetting and distressing. Um, and what like, type of stories are you hearing without g- giving too much away for the confidence like, of the, the person suppose, involved? I suppose we're very much aware of the appendix issue case there recently where the ambulance had, was three hours. Um, uh, the person was waiting three hours for an ambulance to take the person to CUH for appendix. Um, I was made aware there yesterday evening. Now, again, like I said, I was trying to contact people this morning, but an ambulance um, not available, full stop, an ambulance was not available so there had to be other alternatives used to get that person dealt with um, I suppose another issue um, a patient taken to a hospital now I, I'm not going to name the hospital but basically the patient was taken in and the ambulance crew before they left that hospital was I think somewhere in the region of between seven and seven and a half hours before they left that hospital after We'll say giving the patient over to the uh, the hospital staff. And why was it so long before they could leave the hospital? Because I know Again, when they the ho- when they move in they can't, or when they drive up to the hospital they can't go until the patient has been handed over. But if the patient is handed over, why were they still and there? The patient couldn't be handed over because of staff shortages and overcrowding and different bits and pieces. Like I believe your news story ran yesterday that COH was the one of the over most the most overcrowded in the country yesterday, as far as I know, I remember hearing it. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the so highest, yeah. if there is no staff available to take a person from the ambulance crew, well, then the ambulance crew will have to wait there. But I have been made aware by the family that it was uh, seven, seven and a half hours. So then the other example you gave of a person where there was no ambulance for them, you can understand that if the ambulance is travelling an hour, two hours or three hours journey, yeah. then they get to see UH and they're there for seven or eight hours. So then wonder there's no ambulances then in the area if they're dealing with that and that will just continue on. I suppose, John Paul, very simply put, the, the ambulance service was at breaking point before this happened. And there's a very old saying, the straw that brought the camels back, and that appears to have ha- is what has happened with last 11, 12, 13 days. Um, this, this could be foreseen. You need it to go to nobody with a crystal ball um, and pay a few bob for this to be seen to be happening. This was guaranteed to happen. It was being highlighted by everyone. The expression, the dogs in the street knew it. But it just took this 
incident and obviously like the other challenge as well the ambulance and I would love to find out the, the ambulance uh, service is under pressure so possibly in, in West Cork every day there's not a full complement of staff because maybe of holidays which everyone is entitled to and maybe somebody ringing sick and they were already in trouble with that and now all of a sudden this has been put down on top of them as well where um, you would go to Bantry Hospital you'd be um, assessed in the MAU and they decide then whether it was serious enough they'd keep you and therefore then the ambulance remained in West Cork for we say the more serious incidences involved. And Jerry, you're very aware yourself over the last number of years from your own role there with the first responders, family and, and more, uh, the significance of a hospital in that location. I mean, the local GPs have made a plea that lives will be lost if we continue with changes like this to the service. I'm sure you agree uh, that we will end up in a situation whereby people will die unnecessarily unless they can access a service like that provided within Bantry. It will happen. Like, do we need a tragedy for it to actually people to wake up? Like, we're all very much in, and C103 is absolutely great coverage on, we'll say, the Olympics at the moment. Like, I was thinking this morning, you know, Bantry Hospital staff, you could give them all gold medals for care and competence and everything. But if we were giving out gold medals for incompetence, I wonder where would they go? Mm, yeah. It's a very... I, it just it came across my head this morning. Like, it's frightening to think that we're having, I suppose, to fight for something. Just something that came across a Facebook page the other day. There was a cat injured in Bantry. And there was Facebook posts went up. And the amount of feedback on how to deal with the injured cat. And within a very short period of time, there was a vet on board and the cat got dealt with, and the suffering of the cat, and the cat had been treated successfully in whole lot. Like, we're dealing with human lives here, and I suppose what I would hear, and we're hearing it, the silence is deafening from the HSE and the government um, at the top of the pile. We're looking for something that is going to save lives. Like, we have local first responder groups in the area, defibrillators all over Bantry, Doris, wherever, and these community people are coming out to try and keep the person ticking over until the ambulance service arrives. But they're now finding that they're waiting longer. And while a broken leg might not be that serious, you know, if it was a cardiac arrest, a stroke or whatever, time is of the essence and the ambulance service is absolutely vital. And the, the challenges are huge here, John Paul. And as you mentioned the staff there, Jerry, we just have to say, as we said earlier in the week, they do fantastic work at the current mm-hmm. staff within both CUH and in Bantry and they're only doing what they can do. They don't make the decisions. Yeah. They're just a frontline nope. staff and they're working as hard as they can. Stay uh, there, Jerry, because uh, Fianna Fáil Deputy for Cork Southwest is Christopher O'Sullivan. He has contacted us this morning uh, with ho- hopefully an update on what is happening regarding Bantry. Christopher, good morning to you. Good morning, John Paul. In a Facebook post earlier, you did say that there was hopefully, anyhow, a locum being moved from Cork to Bantry. Is that still happening? Yeah, I'll, I'll outline the, the latest update from my meeting yesterday with management. But I just want to say fair play to Jury again for for highlighting this um, and for uh, organising an event to bring further, um, I suppose, light to this. Um, look, again, we want to reiterate this should never have happened. We should never have got to a situation where consultant physicians just because they may take ill 
because people are going on annual leave that we have to close an entire unit. That shouldn't have happened. But now we have to look at how we um, reopen the medical assessment unit and ensure that this situation does not arise again. So I just want to say fair play to Jory and I'll see him on Sunday uh, down in Bantry. Just in relation to <clears throat> the latest update, I met yesterday uh, in Bantry Hospital with the management of uh, of Bantry Hospital. Obviously, I wanted to highlight to them the seriousness of the situation. Trust me, they are very, very well aware of how serious this is uh, and they want to find solutions to it urgently. So I guess there's a short-term solution and a longer-term solution is, is what um, is underway at the moment. In terms of the short-term solution, so today in Bantry, uh, a locum um, a consultant's physician will start in Bantry General Hospital. However, I need to point this out. This still uh, does not solve the problem because uh, because of annual leave and because of another uh, physician going on annual leave today, that still only keeps the amount of uh, consultant physicians at two. Okay, And it's very clear from the HSC and from management, in order to reopen the medical assessment unit, they want to have three consultant physicians in place. So we need that extra consultant physician. Again, there is a plan underway. Uh, there is a, a consultant physician that they've identified in the Mercy Hospital in Cork that the HSC and the management of Bantry Hospital are trying their level best. Uh, and I've even contacted the Taoiseach myself to do his best to intervene in this to ensure that that consultant physician um, would, would come down in a locum setup in Bantry so that we can get the amount of physicians up to three and once and for all we can open the medical assessment unit. And I guess then, following on from that, once we get it reopened, we can't have a situation where someone goes on annual leave or a consultant physician takes ill and we close it again. That would be horrific and terrible uh, for the people of West Cork. So there comes the long-term plan. And in the long-term plan, um, the update yesterday from management was that on the 23rd of August, uh, two consultant physicians will be coming over from Portugal, um, a husband and wife uh, 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 consultant physicians, uh, to begin in Bantry on the 23rd of August, due to begin on the 23rd of August. Uh, and in, in that case then, um, that should give security to the opening of the medical assessment unit. And then further on from that, uh, there'll be another consultant physician joining in September. So that'll bring the total from three consultant physicians, as I said to you earlier in the week, John Paul, up to 5.5. So we should not have a situation where, because people may may take well-earned annual leave or because one of the consultant physicians takes ill, that we, we lead to a closure of the entire unit. So that's the long and short-term plan, but I just want to reiterate, fair play to jury and, and the community there at Banshee for highlighting this. It's not good enough. It shouldn't have happened, and we have to ensure that it happens again. And all of this, though, depends on that consultant from the Mercy moving to Bantry. I mean, what if we get a situation whereby, you know, they don't decide to move or they find the journey too long? Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., I mean, could that hamper things? Should they be looking at more uh, permanent solutions? If the well, I've outlined the permanent solutions in relation to the um, Portuguese consultant positions and the mm-hmm. that brings it to four, though, doesn't it? That that would bring it up to five point five full time when the when the existing consultant positions come back from annual leave and from um, illness, which is what has led to this situation, along with peak annual leave, we will bring it up to five point five, and then. If, if the medical assessments unit needs three consultants' positions open, then you're at a situation where it should remain open. And I will do everything within my uh, grasp to ensure that that happens. And in relation to the short-term measure, getting that consultant position from the mercy or wherever that local consultant position comes from, we have to leave no stone unturned to ensure that that happens as soon as possible. And now just one more point, John Paul. Uh, Jerry makes a fantastic point in relation to the ambulance service. Um I, I firmly believe that the medical assessment unit in Bantry, the, the, the future of that will, will remain open. But the ambulance service in West Cork and nationally is at crisis point. In West Cork, they're so thinly stretched. They're under-resourced, understaffed, but we don't have enough vehicles on the ground. That's something that I um, will be pushing for with the Minister for Health and whoever else uh, needs to make those decisions because they have, you can imagine the stress and strain they were under during COVID when they were run ragged right around the biggest constituency in Ireland. Um, huge stress and strain. And, you know, it, it's not fair on them. Uh, and that, that's something I think I would love to see highlighted at Sunday's protest as well. OK, well, so looking at the staffing, so with the current consultants based there and the new ones that are due, you're looking, as you mentioned earlier in the week, the 5.5 situation. Jerry, you've heard what Deputy O'Sullivan has said there. I mean, does that bring some relief to the likes of you involved in first response? John Paul, unless you see it on the ground, promises are can be made, are being made. But unless you see something, no, there's a lot of possibilities. Like the 23rd of August, there's tis over two weeks away. There's a lot of hours and days and nights. And I just pick up on something Christopher said there, West Cork. We're also looking at a huge chunk of Kerry as well. I got a phone call last night from a person in Kilgarvan about half eleven, and the, the 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 words that person used that's our hospital, so we have to be very very mindful that uh, people in Kerry are in the same boat as what we are, and like you know we need actions. And while we're being promised, I I I hope it happens, and I really hope that these people arrive from Spain, Portugal. Um, but we need somebody on the ground there today, like because the stories, like I said, are coming out. Like families rang me yesterday, and like I said, you know, if you leave um, 
Bantry and go back to, to, to the very back of Castellon Bear, there's a lot of miles between there and, like I said, and Bantry. Like the point I made a little bit earlier to John Paul there, the Castellon Bear ambulance came down to a call that I was dealing with. That meant the community, the fishing community, farming community, the people, the holidaymakers in Castellon Bear, Irie's Allies, were without an ambulance at that stage for a, at least a minimum of four hours. And that's a long time because I have a lot of texts coming in uh, summed up there by this person who says regarding Bantry Hospital the increased pressure now and I'm sure you're seeing this Jerry as you mentioned there from tourists is coming also from the increased influx of people and staycationers and other tourists and it's important yeah. to recognise that on the busiest weekend of the year that this was let happen August as we yeah. know Jerry is the busiest month for tourism uh, and, and that's the month in when they decided to do this I mean Christopher can you you mentioned there and you were congratulating Jerry and the work he is doing but can you see now the frustration and the worry he has that this could be lip service but you're from what you're being given from the HSC you're very much aware this is concrete and it is going to happen and this pair will arrive and everything should be going back to some normality from the 23rd of August Yeah first of all of course I appreciate Jerry's concern he's there on the ground he's seen it firsthand. every day that we lose on this um, you're right, it's putting lives at risk. And, it's, as, and I want to reiterate, it should never have come to this. Um, and we need to find solutions. In terms of the longer-term plan, um, uh, consultants, physicians have been identified, names have been identified. And as I said, the update from management yesterday in Banjo General Hospital is that these two Portuguese consultant physicians will arrive on August 23rd. Okay, So that is as sure an assurance as I can give. In relation to the shorter term, which I think is more urgent, getting that so we have two consultant physicians at the moment with the locum starting today um, in Bantry. Getting that extra locum consultant physician to fill the vacancies left by uh, annual leave and by um, illness, that to me is, is the crunch point here. That's an assurance I can't give, but I, the only assurance I can give is that I will do everything in my grasp, dealing with the HSC, the management, the community on the ground, and the Taoiseach and the minister to ensure that that extra consultant physician is um, secured in a local basis as soon as possible. And That's when you mentioned the Minister for Health there, uh, Stephen Donnelly and, and on Taoiseach Michal Martin as well, I mean, you know, they will be well aware of the fight over the last number of years regarding Bantry. It does seem every four or five years uh, we have to have a conversation like this or there's a protest to save some type of service within that hospital. Uh, are, is the fear, and I can I can see where Jerry and others are coming from, even though you, you, you've got this clarification, the fear is that for example, if one of those or both of those consultants were to leave again this time next year or after Christmas, could the situation that we have now arise again? I mean, how so do we combat that? That's where that's where having those 5.5 consultant physicians in place provides that bit of a buffer zone. If we're down around three, four consultants, there is a fear. That's not mm. enough to provide a buffer where if people retire or leave on annual leave, then, then you lose that. The other concern, and Jerry be well aware of this, is the provision of consultant anaesthetists. That is absolutely vital and it underpins the 24 Acute Emergency Access. Uh, that's something that uh, at every conversation I have with Mr. Stephen Donnelly, um, I'm trying to find a solution that we have cover in terms of the 24-hour uh, anesthesiology. Without the anesthesiology, you can't have those services in battery. And again, you'd be leading to a situation where um, the uh, medical assessment unit is being bypassed. That, that is a concern. So right across the board, right across nationally, there's a recruitment crisis. Um, in terms of consultants, uh, consultant um, uh, anaesthetist um, and consultant uh, general um, positions. So those 
problems need to be sourced. We need we can't have situations where annual leave or people taking ill leads to a situation where a unit is closed. It's not good enough. Totally. totally you can't close a hospital because of that. Jerry, in the meantime, though, uh, we, we know the situation will continue. That is why you were organising this protest and also to highlight you know, that this can't happen again. Uh, obviously, within current government guidelines and health guidelines, when is this protest happening? It's happening Sunday at one o'clock in the square. And what we're doing is we're gathering together and social distancing, masks and cordon guidelines being followed, please. I would appeal to people. And we're marching to the hospital Bantry and we're turning and we're going back down to the square again and again like I said you know if people have Ivis jackets please bring them and masks are vitally important as well like I said marches have occurred all over and they have managed within social distancing so that would be very very important because we don't want to put any more strain on their doctors or the hospital service than already is there like I suppose John Paul you saw the photograph I think from the Bantry Medical Care Centre with two ambulances lined up taking people looking for, or sorry, taking people further afield, I presume to CUH. Like, that's a very worrying picture, you know, and you've said it yourself, we seem to be here every so often fighting for what should be already in place. Like, we knew in 2018 this was going to happen and, like, there seems to be no kind of joint up thinking or forward planning if you go on a holiday next year, you're going to plan it this year. If you know, you'll plan where you go and you'll plan your passport. But this seems to be firefighting the whole time, and it is the people, Bantry, West Cork, and Kerry are suffering. Um, and like you know, will there be a loss of life? I hope not, but I fear you know that it could happen. And to be fair, it should be across parties. There should not be politics played with health. And that's the one thing everyone should be singing off the same hymn sheet. And I know Christopher, Michael Collins and Holly are ho- uh, hopefully all three will be at our our, um, our function on Sunday. But like it should be cross party. Health it doesn't show um, a problem like whether you're 20 or 40 or 60. It doesn't show any any differences between age. People do, do have heart attacks, strokes, cardiac arrest or whatever. And that's what our hospital is there for. And it has been an amazing hospital over the last number of years, 30, 40 years, going back to, we'll say, Dr., the late Dr. Baker and Dr. Mulcahy and Dr. McCoy, without, you know, just thinking of those three people. And, like, we need to have a permanent solution. And if somebody is on about leaving, that needs to be dealt with then um, immediately, not leave the person go and wonder then, what do we do now? True. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, as you say, it's something that keeps coming up and we, we can't have this situation repeating itself every four or five years, which it has done in yeah. different services within the Bant- in the Bantry Hospital, but also in other local hospitals like Bantry across the country. Jerry, for the moment, um, again, Sunday, one o'clock yeah. with social distancing in mind at the square in Bantry. Uh, best of luck to you all on that and we'll catch up with you on Monday and, and find out how things are going at the moment thank in you, Bantry and how the protest went. And Christopher, thank you for joining us as well this morning. Paul, yeah. John Paul, I might just say one word, obviously, yeah. you know, the community way, we're mourning the loss of a very larger-than-life character. We do, so, and yeah, uh, Father Colin, uh, we spoke about him earlier fill, in the week. Yeah, you could fill programme after programme about him, and I suppose I just wish um, condolences to the Cronin family as well, because he's being laid to rest in his beloved parish tomorrow, and also uh, sympathies to the Mark Willis Mark Will's family as well because like obviously 
just a very, very sad tragedy for both communities. It is indeed. And uh, we remember both of them and their families yes. today uh, for the moment. Uh, Jerry and Harrington, thank you, John first Paul, responder. For me on. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry Harrington, there, first responder in Bantry. Uh, and also we had Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan, Fianna Fáil Deputy for Cork South West, there uh, on the ongoing issue within Bantry with no admissions. And now, because of that, even though a solution now seems to be in place there, as Christopher outlines, but in the short term, uh, and to highlight this and maybe prevent this from happening again, there is a protest planned with social distancing and current guidelines in mind. The Square in Bantry Sunday at one o'clock. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Across Cork City and County, this is Cork Today on C103. And on Bantry Hospital, Mary is in Bantry. She says the hospital saved her husband's life and an anaesthetist was due to start in August. And when he saw his contract and the amount of money he was to get, it was a lot less than promised and he did not start because of that. And it changed. This has gone back a number of years ago. Uh, but that hospital did save her husband's life and she feels that they do need to uh, look at the situation regarding consultants. Her fear is what happened the last time is that, you know, consultants are promised this, that and the other thing and then when they turn up uh, they have a, a a different service and they might leave and it could end up with this situation again and Tom in Bantry uh, he says that Michal Martin as we know came to Skibbereen we discussed that earlier on in the week uh, he says none of them came to Bantry though to see what was going on it covers a huge area and we are in a bad way without those consultants Tom hopes to see the Healy Rays at this protest uh, on Sunday as it covers their area as well of course the hospital covering a geographical location of West Cork and South Carolina now we have heard so many parents are finding this year a struggle to fund back to school costs and many people have been affected by job losses and job cuts over the years so Joseph Byrne of Joseph's Hair Saloon on the Glashing Road is doing another great act of kindness as he has done in the past he joins me good morning to you Joseph good morning my friend how are you I'm fine you're keeping well keeping well now beating the salon I just abandoned one of my clients there to say hello to you oh. <laughs> <laughs> so no you, you're, you're quite busy uh, I won't keep you too long because I know you're, you're doing here at the moment but we did want to touch yeah. base with you because you rang us during the week and you always do this for people in need tell me what type of items you are collecting this time around well what I'm doing is I'm collecting all school um, items like school bags pencils copies spirals markers folders Anything really to do that kids and second year, primary and second year that would need for school, um, preferably um, maybe a few vouchers from Duns or something that they can buy. The uniforms are done. I've got a few of them as well. But we're absolutely doing fantastic. The last two weeks have been amazing. I went into Dell House last night with a Jeep down myself with a Jeep full of stuff. Brand new bags, copies, geometry sets, calculators, everything. And, you know, just to say, I'm getting phone calls from people as well. Could I help them? And I got one phone call from a woman in hospital. And she said to me today, she texted me, she said, I can relax now. She said, I feel much better knowing that I have, you have that sorted for me. Yeah, because no one knows what everybody is going through, as you mentioned there, the lady in the hospital. People might be able to afford to pay for school costs if you're also paying for hospital costs or even getting out to physically buy the items. And, I mean, a lot of this is to do with people who are going back to school. And the last you want, Joe, is students in a classroom feeling embarrassed because they don't have a copybook or biros or whatever they need. Absolutely. It happened to me when I was a kid. You know, I didn't have the school bags. I didn't have things like that in the country. We just had a bag or a plastic bag or whatever and you get a bit of a slagging for them you know so 
there is kids out there, and especially kids from domestic violence situations that are in Adele House and Coley Refuge and different places that will need the stuff and are getting the stuff now at the moment because it is. But there is a lot, there is a lot out there that that needs our help. I you know I'm getting texts on Facebook. Have you any copies left? Is there anything I could get off? You know what I mean? From a mother married yesterday with two kids, a boy and a girl. And I said, what age are they? Oh, no problem. You know, we have it all set up for you. And it's, it's you know, I know we would do the Easter eggs and selection boxes, but this is something which is great, but this is something now really that kids need. And I think parents need, um, you know, just the, the pressure off them. And totally, that's what yeah. I'm doing a bit early, that they can relax now. We have loads of stuff. That woman from the hospital now can, you know, think about and get recovered rather than thinking about the kids, you know. And I know we've got a few calls this morning saying, you know, surely parents should budget for this. They know we all return to school at the same time every year. But we, we have had calls from people who, you know, were in very well-paid jobs who had massive pay cuts due to the pandemic, lost their jobs, weren't sure how to deal with life with their jobs being lost. And then, as you say, people who were living behind closed doors in situations with domestic violence that isn't really public knowledge to anybody else, only themselves. Absolutely, and that is a big thing, and people don't realise or the dead house. They have the big extension, you know. And it's bad, sad to say they have to extend this for domestic violence, and those kids in there that might leave their house tonight, leave with nothing. You know what I mean, and can't mm-hmm. go back to get a few things. Um, also, what we're doing is a few haircuts for kids that we're going back to school. Nobody will know the situation. Not even my staff, the child, the mother will have vouchers and they'll come in, get the hair done and they go back to school all sharp and the hair done like every other kid. And looking That's well something that is important. Yeah, it is. It's, it, you know, it's a small thing to do, but I can't believe the response of what people are dropping me in. You know, yeah. study set of pencils or markers or say copies. Unbelievable, you know. It's it, And it's it's such a need. I didn't realise how much so until I started to do it. Yeah, and it is this year, and I think people have been in a situation whereby they never found themselves in this before. And a lot of that, as I said, is to do with what we mentioned there, which unfortunately domestic violence situations and job losses. So people want to contribute, uh, Joseph. How do they? Is it just drop items just into the salon? Just come in, drop into Joseph, Caroline, Vicky, all the girls up there, and they'll accept stuff. And we have little stores when we push it all in. Into Dell House, then Katrina Penny Dinners, and anybody that phones me as well. We have a few bags now with names on them to give people next week. Great stuff. And businesses and doing you know, well. Do you know what? Just, you just yeah. now, a little child now come up with Dell House, something like that. Coming out, getting a wash cut and blow dry at Joseph's. They're going to feel great, you know. Well, of course. They're going to feel part. They're going to feel they're not poor. You know, this kind of thing. I, I, I You know, I think it's very, very important. And no, I is. love doing it. It is, and it makes them feel better going back to school, an extra bit of confidence for them. Before I let you go, business is good, considering you were closed there like everybody for the first few business months of the year. Wonderful. I like Leonardo da Vinci inside now. I'm doing artistic work there. Anybody that wants a different cut, you know where to come to us. I, I get my good days. Today is a good day. <laughs> That's come good. to me next week then and I'm a disaster. So I always <laughs> ring to see what kind of humour he's in first. <laughs> Check the mood first though before you go cut in the hair. do that to say, what do you like today, guys? <laughs> well, I, look, thank you for everything. Thank you, like, Joseph. Oh, you're, amazing. you're amazing. And best of luck with the collection and best of luck with the hair there for that lady you're doing yeah, at the moment. Thanks, Chat thanks to you soon. Bye-bye. 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 Joseph Byrne there from Joseph's Hair Saloon.
on the Glashing Road uh, doing great work there you can drop in items if you wish to donate to him on his salon there on the Glashing Road Shorty will be going to the movies with Mark Malone and in our Cork versus Covid series we'll be looking at weddings going ahead now as the number to attend jumped to 100 yesterday but a lot of calls and comments in on the various issues we've been discussing across the morning first of all Chris is in Mallow and he says JP I wonder if you have a breakdown of where the almost 1500 cases of Covid was announced yesterday or where they occurred well I don't know the full breakdown of yesterday's figures what we have is the number of Covid cases uh, in the last two weeks and a two week figure and for Cork here for it comes and uh, as you would have known during the height of the pandemic we broke them down each Friday here in the show uh, when things were in a really serious situation uh, maybe towards last March and again when there was an outbreak uh, last Christmas and last January so I can tell you on those figures which are the local electoral areas here in Cork uh, going on the last two week the figures are uh, that for Cork City South Central they reported 172 cases and a 14-day incident rate of 448.8 with a national average of 372.6 meaning that's above uh, the national average but then in the county that would be the highest in the city and in the county the McCroom uh, local area that's reporting 116 cases in the last two weeks in August the 2nd the incident rate there is 314.8 per 100,000 people so McCroom one of the highest in the county when it comes to those new cases and Cork City South Central in the city area and the lowest in the county area seems to be uh, the local electoral area for Mallow uh, 28 there in that area so uh, that's the local lie of the land but that is going on the latest two week figures that we have here and of course all that information is available to anybody if you go and just search the COVID-19 data hub or data portal on a search engine or find that via the gov.ie or hse.ie websites hopefully that helps you there Chris in Mallow and on Bantry Hospital a massive reaction uh, to this here's a selection of the comments regarding uh, the situation that continues at Bantry ahead of that protest that will go ahead adhering to current health guidelines Sunday 1 o'clock in the square in Bantry uh, Hi John Paul isn't it amazing how fast the Micheál Martin or Taoiseach turned up to Skibbereen to be photographed with our Olympic heroes uh, but his head is in the sand when it comes to Bantry hospitals as a texter and Heidi says it's about time John Paul the likes of us the people in West Cork started to voice our concerns at how we are being treated by the HS and the other incidents regarding by the HSE in Bantry. Bantry Hospital is a good hospital. We that live out in rural areas need our local hospital. It will save lives and well done to the likes of Jerry and also Deputy Collins to bringing this to the forefront. We need this hospital 24-7. Not when the HSE can say when we can avail of it. Consultants have been in short supply to Bantry Hospital for a long time now. The HSE knew this, says Heidi on WhatsApp to 0862103103 also on WhatsApp is Michael who says nobody in Bantry or the catchment area of it likewise the Ibera Peninsula should have to wait an hour for an ambulance to arrive there is an air ambulance service available and if that cannot handle the demand then we need another air ambulance you cannot put a price on life 
And then Michael says the road ambulance can only do so much. They are flat out at the moment. Protesting and demanding a second air ambulance is what should be taking place before it is too late, says Michael. While Finbar in Bantry says if the or since the COVID crisis, I never realised we had so many professors in the HSC. Maybe if we get rid of more of them and hire more consultants, that might work, says Finbar in Bantry. And then uh, this was when Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan, the Fianna Fáil Deputy for Cork South West was explaining the solution to this problem in Bantry and a text came in just as we were going to the outbreak this arrived in so didn't get to ask question, to put this question to Christopher Bush we did put this question to all TDs when we had them on over the last course of the year regarding pay rises so this question was answered so I can give you the answer to that but I'll read out the comment first it says uh, Christopher voted against paying health staff countrywide not only that but Fianna Fáil had been underfunding the health service with years and now this is the result where are the Irish nurses and doctors gone oh yes out of the country because of the poor pay overworked and again overtaxed yet Christopher shows up on the radio uh, with what this uh, texter is describing as crocodile tears for the staff he voted against them and why to keep his own token position says this texter the services are done on for this country under uh, the charade of this government and he wants to ask uh, Christopher uh, how many in the past two years uh, pay rises have they got or have they taken and they say ask him and demand an answer well it's something that was put to people over the last uh, year or so on the show uh, maybe you missed that but it was a question we asked the various TDs who joined us and it's publicly out there the information is that all public servants including politicians and TDs uh, did receive a pay increase last October 2020 and another pay increase due uh, this year it may have been uh, in, in the last month uh, but there is another one due this year so that would have been two pay rises uh, in the term of this government uh, for that text sir no name on that one but thank you for your text to 0862103103 Avril is in Douglas we spoke to Joseph Byrne there from Joseph's Hair Saloon on the Glass Road and she says it's just great to hear Joseph he's a tonic well done to him says Avril in Douglas he is indeed a great bit of fun uh, for a chat is a Joseph and well done to what he is doing there and then on the digital assertion we heard how 90% of calls made to the helpline have not been answered over the last two weeks even though people that we have spoken with and even Tim Lynch and Ken Turk our Duhala reporter who was uh, telling us this morning he rang one of the days this week it was around four o'clock in the afternoon and he got through within a few minutes and they sorted out his problem he got his search out the next day uh, so really some people are ringing they're waiting two or three hours and then some people are getting through within 10 minutes so maybe it depends on the time maybe that time of the afternoon four o'clock is a good time I don't know but on this a person says my husband is a HSC worker been doubly vaccinated since last February and is still not receiving his digital cert by post he gave a six hour wait ringing the new helpline number and no answer six hours well I hope he was on a speakerphone for that that's a long time on the phone and still no answer he applied online for the cert last week and still has not received it he must fly home to France next Tuesday for family reasons and now he's had to pay for the 72 hour PCR test because of this he put his life at risk in hospital working through the pandemic and now he is paying for a test even though he is vaccinated he hasn't seen his family since 2019 and this government is a joke when trying to get 
anything done properly or sorted says that texter regarding her husband uh, going back to see his family in France but still no digital search and six hour wait all I can say is and the advice we can give on this is that uh, when we were speaking to Tim earlier uh, he did phone this number but I presume this is the number that your husband phoned as well 1-800-807-008 he rang at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and he got through in a few minutes and his search was emailed to him the next day you know maybe that might help that's the only advice so far uh, that we can get from those who were going through that experience thank you for your text to 0862103103 and a number of calls in regarding Bantry uh, Heidi is comparing Bantry now to Cork Airport when we hear what Ryanair are coming out with Heidi says it uh, looks like we could have another fight on our hands regarding Cork Airport if you think how long at hard it has been to get our TDs to wake up and voice their concern on Bantry Hospital hopefully now they will be on the ball and support Cork Airport says Heidi on WhatsApp to 086 2103 on the way uh, we're going to hear an awful incident that has taken place regarding a man who uh, parks up his boat in Baltimore. He'll chat with us next. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative. The perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. Castletown Bear Development Association they will hold their drive-in bingo and that's going ahead this evening at 8 o'clock in the Bear Coast Hotel car park this week's jackpot is €1,100 the Regal Memorial Motorcycle Run in aid of Pesha that will be held tomorrow it's leaving from Buttevant at 12.30 in the afternoon the sign-in will be open at 11am in Buttevant Soccer Club and donations are also welcome through their I Donate page an age-friendly bandon they will hold a drive-in Bingo that's this coming Sunday starting at 3 o'clock at Bandon Marsh books are available locally in Bandon at the St Michael's Centre O'Farrell's Hickey's and O'Donovan This is Cork Today on C103 We're going to the comment line where Fergus joins me Good afternoon to you Fergus Good, a- good afternoon, John Paul. And uh, thanks fine, for fine afternoon. It is. It's a beautiful afternoon in some parts, uh, but raining in others with the thunder. But hopefully, it's good where you are. You've had an awful experience though regarding your boat, and this is in the Church Strand area in Baltimore. And you've been mooring there for the last over twenty years. You were telling us. Yes, yes, indeed, John Paul. Um, I arrived down in Skibreen there on Tuesday to the Hideaway Caravan Park in Skibreen. It would be normal for us to spend a week down here or two weeks and use the boat when the weather was fine and um, I put my tender which is a 2.2 metre inflatable um, up on the bank tied it and came down on Wednesday to go use it and I found it had been vandalised uh, cut in three places And when you say cut was it cut do you think with a knife or what way was it cut? Oh 100% because um. It, as I said, it was cut in three places. Uh, there were straight, straight cuts. Um, a stone wouldn't do that. Or a briar wouldn't do it. Um, and to swear they were cut, it looks like as if it was done to absolutely decommission uh, the inflatable ahead, which was used for going in and out to the bigger boat. And is there other dinghies or smaller type boats parked around that area where you were or left in that area? Uh there would be a line of about 15 of them uh, on, on, on the strand, as, as I see it, John Paul. Mm. It was a case of bad luck. Um, I am aware of uh, activity going on there at night times, which, which um, youths um, having parties or whatever, which is their own business. Um, um, and I am aware as well of other little things that have happened there recently where another man's boat was 
actually chopped up and vandalised his tender, which chopped up. he made himself. What do you mean chopped up? Yeah. Was it a timber boat or, or how was it chopped it's up? It's a timber boat that he made himself out of plywood just to get him in and out and yeah. nothing fancy. It was vandalised, chopped up and left on the beach. And I presume if it was chopped, it was something, was it an axe chopped it up or, did he, or was it just simply kicking the boat or whatever? I I can't comment on that, no, but it's something I was made aware of. God. And it's it's a constant problem down there in Church Strand where the locals who have their boats moored, they're on tender hooks because... Uh, a couple of years ago, I was unfortunate enough to have an engine stolen and off another tender I had. And um, I know of other people who have had similar issues. And there obviously is no CCTV in that area from either any business locally or anything around where you park the boats no, that can pick anything up? not. I, I wish there was John Paul, but in this case, there's not. And of Gardaí, I presume you've reported this to the Gardaí. Uh, have they any luck here? Are they aware of the incidents oh, that are happening? I did, John Paul. I, I rang the, the guards in Skibrina. I had to report it, and in fairness, they were out to me straight away, and I made a statement, and they looked into it, and in fairness, they got back to me within 24 hours, and in fairness, they gave a very good um, account of what needs to be done to try and stop this kind of thing happening. And as you say, this thing he gets you out to the boat and you use the boat, then is it for fishing you would use the boat, or just for pleasure purposes? Pleasure and yeah. for fishing, John Paul. Yeah, um, you mightn't be aware, no, but I'm going to make you aware. I have uh, a cerebral palsy, which is um, I walk with crutches, mm-hmm. so I have mobility issues. And, and do you find I, using this uh, the, the dinghy first of all to go to the boat is that one of the reasons you like to to use this to kind of be able to relax and, and enjoy the, the the scenery out in the boat and uh, while while you have the disability as you say there a lot of people would use this type of service to get away from everything and enjoy themselves and have unique experience um, and this is obviously what you what you do is it yes um, exactly that's one of the main reasons I I would. I use the boat, and what I find and have found over the years is once June, July and August come, it actually helps my muscles. It frees them up because I'm using them more with the motion of the boat, and it kind of keeps my legs freer. And I'm pretty sure that if I wasn't doing the boating activities, I possibly wouldn't be as good as I am now walking with crutches. So by these guys or girls or whoever they were, this gang that caught your dinghy, you know, they are obviously affecting your health more or less so. Sorry there, John Paul, a car just passed me there. You're okay, the, whoever did this act of, of crime to your dinghy, they more or less then are affecting your health as well if you, you know, if you can't get out to the main boat. Well, thankfully, I have a great circle of friends down in Baltimore who have been very helpful to me over the years. Um, they're there when I need them, but it's an inconvenience, really, to ask for a loan of another boat. You know yourself, you need to be independent of what time you come in and out with tides and various things like that. Um, I will be okay. I get in and out, but it's just, again, the inconvenience of it and the annoyance of somebody uh, destroying someone else's property. It I is. just want to highlight it on the programme, and hopefully they're listening. Well, hopefully they are and they've realised what they have done and the consequences of this and, you know, what you have to go through now. I mean, will you have to buy a new dinghy or or can this be replaced or what will happen? Um, because of where the three cuts are, I'm afraid it's... I can get it repaired, but it's sending it up to Sligo. And thanks to Tim there in CH Marine who spent a bit of time with me yesterday and did the research for me, 
Um, it's a case of an inner patch costing in the region of 400 euros plus um, get a courier up and courier back down probably another 200 euros onto that. So you outweigh the cost of repair versus replace. And I think it would be easier for me to replace it. Yeah, and how much would a, a new dinghy cost? Well, the one I have is a, a Westline. Um, I only have it a couple of weeks. And I acquired it because it was lighter in the water. And I adapted it for my needs with a timber floor to make it steadier from hopping from one boat to the next. Um, you'll be looking at a thousand euros. And you say you only have this a couple of weeks, so it's a new dinghy. Uh, it's a second-hand one I bought. Um, it but was its first time down in Trustrand, actually, on the Tuesday night, so nobody knew it was mine. So it was just a case of bad luck, John Paul, really. Oh, that's just awful, Fergus, when it's, I know you say it's, it's second-hand, but it's new to you, uh, and it's, as you say, it's first time, uh, and the first experience you had with it there from a Trustrand and Baltimore. It's just an awful situation you find yourself in. Now, hopefully, uh, maybe anybody listening, uh, when did it, this happen, you think, was on Wednesday morning you came across? On, would have been on Tuesday night, Wednesday Tuesday morning. morning. Anybody yeah. in that area, maybe around Church Strand in Baltimore, if you saw uh, something suspicious or saw somebody out there tampering with those boats, you might let the Guardi, is a Guardian Skibberina looking into this, Fergus? Yes, they are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and how are you doing yourself? Quality, it's upsetting, I presume, anyone, for you. Sorry? It's upsetting, obviously, enough for you. Uh, it's, it's, it's an inconvenience, um, really. I mean, the boating season is short enough. I didn't go last year due to, to COVID, so I really was looking forward to my couple of weeks down here this year, which I'm still enjoying. I won't let it get to me at all. But um, again, it's the inconvenience. And if any one of your listeners out there knows of another way to repair it, um, please let yourself know and you can contact me yourself. We will, of course, Fergus. And when you say you spend time there, are you originally from the area? Or are you living somewhere and travel there every summer? I'm originally from Balmain, but I suppose I'm coming down here with my father and mother and family since I was four years of age and thankfully I took to the water it's a great pastime um, I love it I embraced it it has its difficulties because of the crutches but I embraced it and loved it and still do and still will well, that's great to hear that you, you still do and, and uh, hopefully things will be sorted for you there regarding your dinging and you'll be still out and enjoying uh, the water again. But just awful to think that someone would do this and the consequences, as I said, that follows after that. Fergus, thanks for contacting us. And again, if anybody has seen anything suspicious that night, Tuesday into Wednesday morning, uh, do get in contact with Gardaí and Skibberine. Fergus, you mind yourself and best of luck with everything and best of luck to your health as well. Thanks very much, John Paul. And I might give you a text there once I get going and you can... You can um, show the positive side of things do left, certainly come back to us and we'll uh, hopefully things will all work out as you said in, in a positive way and thanks for letting us know that's Fergus there uh, in uh, Baltimore uh, awful incident to happen to him uh, and if you have or as I can have any information for him on uh, fixing a dinghy like that if there's a ways around it uh, 1850 333 103 our lines are open on the doctors and nurses and pay uh, for them and the situation they find themselves in a Killarney listener just uh, saying this and she it's no disrespect she says to anybody working in the health service because the doctors and nurses do great work don't get me wrong but why do they stay here to get trained at the taxpayers expenses 
And then this Clarny listener says Leggett once qualified that on text to 0862103103. Now this week's series of Cork versus COVID covers weddings and as the numbers allowed to attend jump to 100 yesterday we hear from those who after many times of changing their date can finally now tie the knot. Our reporter Maria Tuick has this week's Cork versus COVID. Couples have been saying I do in front of 100 guests since the numbers allowed at weddings increased yesterday. Ian Murphy and Alison Barry are due to get married later this month. This is their third date after first planning for last October. It was the strangest thing because we'd said, like, you know, we get married in the year. Within three weeks of getting engaged, we had a church, a hotel, everything booked. Um, so we were like, We'll just have this so stress-free. We'll have everything done. And here we are three times <laughs> later trying to organise this. That's the annoying thing about so it. So it yeah. didn't really go to plan. But. The hotel and venue is the same. And um, we have, I'd say, about 80% of our suppliers have changed. So we had to change the majority of those from the first time around. Um, but other than that, it's kind of the... The exact same. Hotels have been doing all they can to ensure couples have a memorable celebration. Alison Walsh, wedding coordinator at Kinsale Hotel and Spa, says their experience from the last few months will help them to ensure couples get the most out of their big day. I think last year was more stressful because, again, as I said, we hadn't done it before. So, you know, everybody was nervous of this virus as well, uh, you know, apart from weddings and work and everything else that goes on. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. This year we're taking it in our stride. We're like, we've done this. Emma Moriarty is wedding and event sales manager at Cork International Hotel. She says it has been hard on spouses-to-be. It's been a bit stressful for them, obviously, with kind of living from announcement to announcement. Emma says smaller weddings are here to stay. For a while, even before COVID hit, there was smaller weddings, more intimate weddings, absolutely. Sandra Looney of To Have and To Hold on McCurtain Street says it has been a tough time for everyone in the wedding industry. It's been exceptionally difficult, not just for us, but everybody in the wedding industry. All of our colleagues, photographers, the bands, the videographers, the florists. Sandra says one of the reasons why couples choose to wait is so they can have a live band at their wedding. Everybody loves the sing-song, everybody loves the dancing. I think that is the biggest thing holding some couples back. So when we meet with couples, uh, the one thing that is restricting them from going ahead is the fact they can't have a band. And best of luck to everybody getting married over the next number of months. Our reporter there, Moray Tuig, with this week's Cork versus COVID, concentrating on weddings now, uh, with the attendance allowed to jump to 100 from yesterday. And staying with that on what we were discussing earlier in the show, and Catherine Zubone and her party in Dublin, and the changes that came out of that, of gatherings uh, up to 200 people for social reasons now allowed in outdoor settings. So you'll have more on this at one. You would have heard Barry uh, briefly outlining this at midday as well, but more in detail at one o'clock on our C103 News that live music is now allowed outdoors in pubs, restaurants and hotels under redrafted Fall to Ireland guidelines and multiple tables also can be booked for outdoor events that can accommodate up to 200 people more on that in News of One and we're heading to the movies with Mark next Across Cork City and County this is Cork Today on C103 And our Killarney listener who was inquiring and asking about those health workers who do train here in Ireland but then go abroad for work 
Cork, Marian Mallow says when nurses qualify, they don't get a contract to work here, so they have no choice but to go abroad. And Jerry Harrington, the first responder from Bantry, just back on to us to say he did and has put an invite to the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly and Antishuk Michal Martin uh, to the protest march on uh, Sunday in Bantry. He has not heard back from either of them yet, but they are invited to that protest for Bantry Hospital uh, to highlight what is happening regarding no admissions taking place this coming Sunday at one o'clock in the square in Bantry. The movie review on C103 with the Cinemax Bantry. Get back to the real cinematic experience. And Mark Malone joins us as usual on a Friday. Hi, Mark. Hi, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine. And we are looking at this movie, which has had huge marketing uh, over the last number of weeks. So this is Jungle Cruise. First of all, here's the trailer. Get ready. My brother and I are looking for passage up river, and I'm told that you're the man for the job. You were told wrong. I have a lot of money. We should probably leave in 10 minutes. Know this about the jungle. Everything that you see wants to kill you. It's been lovely knowing you. Don't say that. Batten down. Sorry, Frank. Sorry, Big names in this one, Mark. The likes of Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt as well. And as I mentioned, there is Disney putting a lot into uh, this new movie, aren't they? Uh, well, it's a big movie. And it's the kind of films that aren't really made anymore. And I think, you know, at some stage somebody decided, look, let's go back and let's look at movies like uh, The African Queen. And that's right back to Humphrey Bogart days. And let's look at films like The Mummy, uh, the original, not with uh, Tom Cruise, the one... Um, before that, uh, let's look at Indiana Jones, let's look at Pirates of the Caribbean, and let's take the best of that and put it into this. And as I say, because they don't make films like this anymore, well, one of the things that's so hugely expensive, and certainly at the moment because of COVID, of course, uh, it, it's very, very difficult to do so. And this was made before COVID. This was made in Australia a couple of years ago. Um, but because of COVID, it was delayed and delayed and delayed. And finally, uh, we uh, finally uh, we have a chance to see this film from Disney. Uh, it's based on one of their rides at uh, Disney World and Disneyland, which they've again done before. Uh, they did it with the Haunted Mansion film with, I think, um, had Eddie Murphy in it. And they also did it with the Pirates of the Caribbean, hugely successfully, of course. And uh, I don't know if you... you I, I've done the ride. I've done the... Um, at the ride at Disney World, and um, you know it's a kind of a jungle ride, it's a jungle cruise, and where the cast member tells really terrible jokes, and uh, there's lots of references to the, the animals and uh, the, what's called what, the backside of water, which is also kind of referenced here. So they've gone and they've looked at the ride and thought, okay, let's make a movie out, out of this film. So as you're right, it's got a big cast, it's got Dwayne Johnson, it's got Emily Blunt, who initially didn't want to do that because uh, she had just come off and Mary Poppins and The Quiet Place too, and she said, look, you know, she was too tired didn't want to do it but Dwayne Johnson I think filmed a piece of film uh, you know asking her please to be in this film and uh, and so she decided in the end and they work very very well together they are very very charismatic so basically the story is is that uh, in the Amazon uh, there is this tree which produces this petal which can solve the the, the world's ills basically it can cure pretty much anything and Emily Blunt wants it Dwayne Johnson wants it um, a, um, a couple of conquistadors who are now uh, ghosts uh, they too want it so that the curse of the, their curse will be lifted, as does a, a German New Ball captain, uh, a, a Prince Joachim, not Joachim, I think it's Joachim, uh, played by Jesse Clemens. He too wants it. And so therefore the film is about this trek into the Amazon to try and get their hands on this petal uh, from this tree, which will, uh, which will cure all uh, disease. 
Now, the thing about the film is that, uh, you know, unfortunately, yes, we have referenced a lot of films like The Mummy and Indiana Jones in the past, but of course, they, even though those films had special effects, uh, there was very, very little CGI. Here, I should point out, there's a huge amount of CGI here, and not all of it works. And it's almost like, you know, there's a tiger in it. It's almost like the Disney went back into their kind of archives and went, you know, is there a hard drive somewhere that has a tiger, a CGI tiger? And then they get new, they obviously went back to the life of Pi and thought, okay, that tiger will do. They obviously went to the Pirates of the Caribbean and maybe, you know, little kind of um, animated and CGI kind of pirates that they had in the past. Uh, they decided to reuse them again in that, that film. And also, for example, some of the backgrounds uh, would be kind of out of focus. And the reason for that is because they are digitized um, uh, CGI backgrounds. But that doesn't mean to say, I think mean, this is kind of what I didn't like about it. But what I did like about it is that, as I say, you know, we see very little movies like this nowadays, and it is fun. And by the end of it, my wife and I, we turned to each other and we said, look, you know, we did warm to it after a while, after kind of a, an initial start, which didn't really, really quite work and was a bit kind of clunky. And I wondered, uh, did they get the wrong director? Because the director here is the director that made uh, quite a number of uh, kind of action movies uh, with um, with Liam Neeson. And I did wonder, you know, was he the wrong choice? Because, you know, yes, he can direct action, but can he direct comedy action? Um, but as I say, you do warm to the film after after a while, it does get better, and uh, and by the end of it, we ended up enjoying it very much indeed. Yeah, and as you mentioned there, The Rock or Dwayne Johnson, as uh, his real name is, he is always kind of taking part in these type of movies, but he does bring that comedy element, and it works well. He's well able to play that comedy element while be serious as well, isn't he? Well, I mean, it's funny because uh, just this past week, uh, I saw a piece uh, online about why wrestlers make very good actors because, of course, you know, all of them have to perform uh, as uh, and be huge personalities as well as be very, very good wrestlers. And he is. He's got a very, very good comic touch. And there is a great deal of charisma here between him and Emily Blunt. They work very, very well together. Jack Whitehall kind of starts off kind of very, very annoying. But again, thankfully, you do kind of warm to him after a while. But he does a lot of overacting and gurning in it. You know, he plays this kind of posh, tosh kind of um, Englishman who is kind of afraid of everything and um, and is initially quite, quite annoying. Uh, but you do warm to him. The worst performance here is by Jesse Plemons as the kind of Nazi kind of U-boat captain. It's almost like this stereotypically kind of Nazi kind of performance. It's almost like he's doing an impression of Christoph Waltz, and it doesn't work at all, and I think that was a, pain, a shame. I also thought it was a pity they actually did bring a kind of a supernatural element to the film. I didn't think that was uh, particularly necessary, uh, but they did. Um, but at the same time, there are some terrific action sequences, and there are some very, very good moments of kind of humour and, and performances by Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. And in the end, uh, even the day after, my wife turned to me and said, you know, I wasn't expecting to like it. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I really liked it. And, uh, and in the end, yes, I, I, I did enjoy it. I think what I need to do is maybe go back and watch it again mm-hmm. and have a second viewing and maybe I'll warm to it a little bit more because now I know the way in which it's been directed, which initially I thought wasn't great. Uh, but in the end, look, I warmed to it. And, um, you know, the, I think it's a film that will be loved and enjoyed by all the family. So out of 10, how would you rate this one? I'll give it 7. 7, that's not bad. So 7 out of 10 for Jungle Cruise, which is coming to local cinemas near you. And we have the next movie, Mark. It's How to Deter a Robber. What's this about? Well, it's a, it's a small independent movie from the United States. Uh, first time director here, a woman by the name of uh, Maria Bissell, uh, who also writes here as well. And uh, if this 
is her first movie and this is an example of the kind of thing that she can do I think she's got a terrific career and I want to see more from her because this is very very good indeed and it's the kind of film because it's a small film and when you compare it to something like say Jungle Cruise which gets all the publicity uh, you know in the world and with a huge advertising budget this is a kind of a film that just might kind of bypass people and I think that would be a terrible shame because it's really really enjoyable and really really uh, very entertaining it's a small movie as I say but it's well worth, uh, you know, people's watch. Uh, basically, it's about this young couple, this, uh, these two teenagers, and uh, they're staying at their parents' house, um, and their parents are sharing a house together at Christmas time. Uh, they kind of like getting a bit annoyed by their their parents, so they know that the neighbors next door have left to go home for Christmas. So they break into that house to have some fun, and um, but the next morning when they wake up, they realize that the house has been burgled. So when the police arrive, of course, they think that the, the two uh, are responsible for it. Um, they are then put under basically house arrest, even though their parents say to the police, look, we can't look after them, we've got to go back to New York to work. So they're then entrusted to um, the girl's uncle, and so they go to stay with him, and they then decide, well, this house is perfect for a robbery. And so they decide that in a kind of a, in a home alone kind of way, make it kind of robber-proof in a kind of very, very funny kind of sequence. And the thing about the film is that um, one of the criticisms of it is its tone, because it can go from very, very light and slight and funny humour into extraordinary violence. And uh, for me, it worked, though, because when the violence does happen, it's, it's really, really quite shocking. And it's really entertaining. All of the actors are very, very good. And there are not actors that people might not necessarily kind of recognise. Uh, the lead is Vanessa Morano. She's terrific, um, as is Jonah Ray. And uh, Sonny Valenciante is also in this film, and, uh, and all of whom are just terrific. And I mean, if, the, if this director can kind of direct action and direct actors as, uh, actors as well as she has done, I mean, she has got a talent, a big talent. And I really, really liked it. I really enjoyed it, you know. And um, certainly, uh, usually I have a problem with like the third quarter of films here. The second quarter, I think, kind of was, uh, which basically dealt with her and the relationship between her and her uncle. And it was almost like the director was kind of squeezing it out, squeezing it out to make it to like um, uh, um, an hour and a half. Uh, but then what happens is come to the third and uh, fourth quarters. I mean, it does pick up. It becomes a home invasion movie where it's quite exciting and quite frightening at times as well. And uh, I thought it was terrific. I was really, really entertained by it. And at the end of it, I thought, yes, I wanted to see more movies from uh, Maria Bissell, who I think uh, is a talent. Yeah, so we, we could hear a lot more from her, uh, considering the way you're describing her there in the future, maybe going on to bigger movies or producing more movies. Uh, certainly, uh, yeah, if it's just, if it is any, anything that she produces in the future is as good as this, then yeah, I want to see it, yeah. Uh, she was, she's obviously a talent, and uh, she obviously got the most out of what is a very talented cast. I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's about a 15 cert, so it's not necessarily for kids here. Um, but yeah, I would certainly recommend it. It's uh, called uh, How to Deter a Robber, and very entertaining, and I'll give it 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10, very good. Mark, thank you for that, and we will chat You're to welcome. you next week with our movie review. Uh, that is our reviewer, Mark Malone. The movie review on C103 with the Cinemax Bantry. Get back to the real cinematic experience. That's it from us this week. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced Cork Today back with you Monday morning from 10am. So enjoy your Friday afternoon. I'm John Paul McNamara. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.